One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to Deep Dish Radio. I'm Tim Powers. My guests today are Dewey Cassell and Aaron Sultan, two comic book fans who have written uh, what is essentially the definitive overview of the career of Marvel artist Herb Trimpey. Uh, if you're a fan of G.I. Joe, you know Herb Trimpey. If you're a fan of the Transformers, you know Herb Trimpey. If you're a fan of the Incredible Hulk, you know Herb Trimpey. If you're listening to this show, you darn well better know who Herb Trimpey is. Uh, one of the best and uh, certainly one of the most workmanlike of the Marvel artists of the early age. Well, their book, The Incredible Herb Trimpey, that's the title, is available from Tomorrow's Publishing. And it is a phenomenal hardback book with tons and tons of illustrations. And, uh, you know, it's really cool, the insight that Dewey and Aaron bring to the career of Herb Trimpey. If you like what you hear and you'd like to win a copy of this book compliments of the good people at tomorrow's publishing stick around until the end and i'll tell you how you can do that now here are the guys so guys i was uh as i told you before we got started this book is amazing the folks at tomorrow's always do such fantastic artwork and and their books are you know there are a lot of scholarly tomes about comics that are pages and pages and pages of text and very little illustration, which is not why any of us read comics. And this is the visual, uh, colorful, beautiful, um, I don't want to use the word assault to the eyes, but you know what I mean. It, it, like a good comic book, it grabs you by the shirt collar and goes, look at me, I'm awesome. And, uh, it really just hits you right off the top. But, you know, Trimpy was one of those guys who was a utility player. Uh, for Stan and for Marvel and really I don't think ever really got his his due he had his fans but you know and there was Kirby and there was Ditko and there was Romita and there was Buscema and Herbie was never really got the um, the the dues that I think we all think he deserved so tell me about what prompted you to put this book together Uh, well, well, Aaron, actually, you might be best suited to take that one because I think you, you and I talked a little bit about this earlier, and I think you said it very eloquently. Sure, yeah. Um, you know, Dewey and I, just a, a little bit of a quick background, Dewey and I have been uh, really wonderful friends. I've, I've had such a blessed friendship with him now going back 25 years, and um, we discovered uh, each other appropriately at a comic book convention. Um, so... 
uh, we've we've enjoyed many years um, going to conventions together. Uh, most notably, the Heroes Convention in Charlotte that's been going on since. Um, since gosh, the, I want to say 80s. it's been going on. Yeah, right. since the eighties. And I think Dewey, you and I first started going to um, the Heroes Convention together sometime in the early to mid nineties, if I remember correctly. And um, it's interesting to you know the kind of point about leading to Herb is um, we both enjoyed meeting artists that uh, we adored as children and uh, and as grown-ups <laughs> <laughs> um, that um, that really gave us the time of day. And um, you know, just like with any profession, there are there are there are people out there that um, are are friendly um, and desire to have uh, create a really good fan experience, and there are people out there that um, you know not so much. And our our first uh, step into this was when we we met a wonderful wonderful couple, George and Dorothy Tuska, and um, Dewey and I just both became enamored with them. Um, this is not about George and Dorothy Tuska, but I will right. tell you that we just kind of dove into their lives, and um, they they were so warm and gracious to us. Dewey and I have both been to their home and had dinner with them. So cool. And watched George draw. I mean, it's just amazing. And that led to a book that Dewey uh, spearheaded uh, a dozen years or so ago, um, and I, I helped out in a small way, but just he put together a wonderful, wonderful book on on George Tuska. Wow! And then that led that led to do. I feel like I'm stealing your shtick here. That led um, several years later to another book that uh, that Dewey put together uh, to, on Marie Severin. And um, once again, here is just a wonderful lady that uh, was humble and um, surprised that that fans adored her and and remember her art, you know, decades later after the Silver Age and Bronze Age of comics. Right. And um, uh, it, it, right around that time, uh, we started discovering Herb Trimpey. And uh, Herb Trimpey started appearing at the Heroes conventions, um, what would you say, Dewey, in the, around 2008, somewhere around there, 2009, in that territory? Yep. And um, we, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, we got to, we just started getting to know Herb. And, and once again, Herb extended... Um, to us, the same type of graciousness and generosity, um, willingness to sign everything we put in front of him, willingness to do sketches, and most importantly, willingness just to talk and just spend time with us, as, as he did with everybody. We were nothing special. He heard was that <laughs> way with everybody. Yeah. And, um, and uh, you know, I think, Dewey, it was your idea um, a couple, several years ago, came up with the idea of, you know what, uh, as a follow-on to doing the book on Marie, let's do a book on Herb. And um, it, it, we, just, uh, we just started, the, 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 you know, it was almost like it was meant to be, because the, the avenues got opened up, the artists opened their, their homes to us, um, uh, Dewey was able to spend quite a bit of time with Herb. I actually got to go out to Joe Sinnott's place and, and, and sit at his dinner table and talk about Herb and Everybody just opened their phones and opened their homes to us uh, to start uh, these interviews and understand more about Herb. And uh, I think there was just um, just just some connections that were falling into place easily, uh, along with Herb's generosity and openness that made it easy to uh, to get started. Do you want to add anything to that? No, I think that's well said. Wow, I want to back up a little bit because you just you just laid a lot of information on a fanboy like me. First of all, Tuska drew my favorite comic book of all time. 
So I am really impressed with with this. Uh, what if number five? What if Captain America oh, yeah. had survived Captain World America. War II? Ah, oh, love yes, that book. Love it. Um, the first copy I ever bought, which I bought off the off a spinner rack, um, lost its cover a long time ago, and I've probably bought three or four copies since then, including a digital copy. So, wow, that's just whew. um, and it's really interesting that you know this the the insular community of artists, you know, I've encountered it too. There are, there are those that want to talk and those that really enjoy just dealing with fans as people. And there are those who are kind of a little above it all. And those are who, that are surprised that what you even know who I am. <laughs> um, and you know, the Marie and John Severin always struck me from everything that I've read. I've never met either one of that. They were just really down to earth folks. Um, now, Herb and Marie were one of the or two of the few um, like legendary Marvel artists that really, really worked at the bullpen. They really showed up on Madison Avenue every day to, to go to work and draw. Um, what kind of stories did you hear about the bullpen? I, I think, you know, uh, the, the, the chief thing was uh, that it really wasn't as big or as, uh, involved as, as I think a lot of us thought it was because of the pitch that Stan gave. You, you mean know, Stan made so- something sound bigger and more important than it was? When did he, <laughs> when did he start doing that? <laughs> well, you had this, because of the hyperbole, you had this, this vision of this, you know, vast room with hundreds of artists working away. And, 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 you know, the reality was, uh, uh, in many cases, it was you know the size of a broom closet, and they were all sort of crammed in there. And and uh, I mean, I think they had a good time, uh, but it, it was uh, uh, as you said, there were there really weren't that many people who, who came in uh, and worked. I literally worked out of the office. Right. Herb and Gree were uh, were two of the few that did that. Yeah, it's it's interesting, and you know, uh, Trimpy started doing Hulk in I think '68, right? And yeah. from 68 to about 75 was really a transitional period for Marvel. You know, they had, they had Apex, they had, they had really uh, taken off and their distribution was changing and their business model was changing. And they, you know, they were like, wow, we're successful again. Um, and, you know, leadership roles were changing. Uh, what kind of, what kind of conflicts did that bring for, for her? Anything? You, you go on, you, well, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, okay. sure do. I'll, I'll jump in here on that one. And, uh, yeah, I think, um, I, I think yeah, you, you hit it right at, at the beginning when you said Herb was kind of a, of a utility guy. I think, um, and Dewey, you, you, re, you remember probably better than I do. He was brought in, he worked a copier, I believe, um, at the, at the beginning. Uh, he was a production guy. And, uh, as John Ramita, you'll, you'll read in the book there, as John Ramita mentioned, um, the, the, and, and Dewey was alluding to the rooms were small. The bullpen was somewhat fictitious um, in, in terms of it being as vast as it was being made sound. Um, but you know, you had Marie, you had Herb, you had John Ramita, you had John Verporten. Um, You know, people like Sal Buscema visited the bullpen once a year, uh, coming up from the Washington D.C. area. Um, you know, Jack Kirby was only around to the late '60s, and I believe he worked at home uh, quite a bit, especially when he moved to California. So you had you had um, you know, Herb was probably one of the mainstays um, there in the bullpen, and um, uh, I, I think what you found was that um, 
you know, he kind of, in terms of the leadership, it was kind of a ramp up, you know, from the from the very beginnings and the very uh, menial jobs to all of a sudden uh, he's inking Marie and, and living in the world of Tales to Astonish. And then moving from there, uh, Marie takes over the, the Hulk for the first, uh, you know, six, seven or eight issues. And then Herb becomes the main penciler on that. And so, you know, o- over the course of a few years, he kind of ramped up um, from, you know, from the young 20-something go-to guy for, for doing, uh, you know, filling up coffee cups to um, becoming, you know, the, the, uh, one of the quintessential artists on the Hulk. And really set a visual style that that people reference today. Plus, he created uh, some major characters in the in the Hulk universe. You know, uh, Jarella, um, apparently this this mutant that's real popular with the kids these days. You know, he he was the first to ever uh, have a published drawing of that uh, whatever that character is that people like so much. Um, <laughs> you know, I, here's what I learned: Captain Britain. He he designed the Captain Britain costume, the original Captain Britain costume. I thought that was really uh, uh, that was cool, and it just seemed like he was a utility player. They're like, you know, Herb, we need this. Can you do it? And he's like, Yeah, here, here you go. Um, can you can you talk about maybe the transition between Hulk to some of the the licensed books that maybe the younger folks know him for? Do you want to take that one? Maybe we lost Dewey. I'm sorry. Uh, I had to step away for a second. That's okay. Uh, what was the question? Okay. <laughs> uh, the question was, can you tell us everything? No. Um, with, <laughs> uh, you know, with the, with the, I was talking a little bit about how, um, you know, her really designed uh, a lot of the the elements of the Hulk that are still being referenced today, and design the Captain Britain costume, and uh, a lot of other things. Can you talk about the transition from being essentially the Hulk artist to the licensed work that he did after he stepped off the Hulk? Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that uh, that Herb talked about was that uh, he was willing to do work that nobody else was. Uh, you know, he, he recognized, I think, early on that he wasn't the world's greatest artist. Uh, you know, he, he uh, wasn't uh, at the same par necessarily as a, as a Jack Kirby, you know, or a John Romita in terms of artistic ability. Uh, but he had a real gift for storytelling. Yeah, his and layouts he, he could, were great. Could, they were. He could, he could architect a story in a way that was compelling, and it, and it carried you along with the story, and it, it made it interesting to read. And, uh, and I think that's why, you know, when it came to doing the license stuff, they, they turned to him. And, and he was willing to do it, too. I mean, they, they talked about it, uh, he talked about it at the time that uh, there were a lot of people that really had no interest in drawing comic books about toys. And, and, uh, you know, and yet, you know, they would bring in these... Uh, uh, giant, you know, Shogun Warriors uh, action figures that, that came straight from Japan that had these projectile arms, you know, that would shoot out. Today, there's no way they'd let you get away with that. I remember but, them well. Uh, oh, yeah, they were, they were great toys. But so he didn't mind doing that kind of work. You know, he found it interesting. He, he found ways to make it uh, compelling and, and to put that kind of storytelling ability 
into telling a great story about about uh, Shogun Warriors or Godzilla or you know GI Joe, and he had he had great long runs on on all of those, and then of course you know he kidded later that that uh, you know nobody wanted to do those, and then they turned around and made hit movies out of all of those things, and uh, <laughs> and they became in, in in big demand. You know when he would go to the conventions, that was what everybody wanted him to draw. Then was you know Godzilla or Shogun Warriors, or actually that was the one. It was interesting when he talked about the uh, the licensed characters. That was the one that he really thought that they had had missed the mark on because he always felt Shogun Warriors was a much I mean much better character than Transformers. But Transformers was the one that became a successful movie, and and Shogun Warriors kind of went by the. Way. I think it was the price point of the Shogun Warriors toys, man. <laughs> Transformers was a lot more accessible because uh, I'm old enough to remember them. I remember the they had a Godzilla as part of the line where his his fist popped off, and it was a it's a good time. Um, that was a cool toy. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Um, <laughs> See, we're just we're just geeks, man. We're just we're just we're geeking just out of... together. <laughs> we're a bunch of twelve year olds, you know. Um, gosh, let's see. Um, Phantom Eagle, by the way, was was I think Herb and I were the only fans of Phantom Eagle. <laughs> you know, I, I, has he come back? Has he been in a in a contest of champions? Has he shown up anywhere since? Uh, since those early stories? You know, I think they did reuse Phantom Eagle at one point, but as I recall, you know, Herb wasn't necessarily thrilled with what they did with the character. Right. Um, he, he had this, Herb had this tremendous love of flying. Yeah. Uh, he, he just, it, it was something that, that he enjoyed. When, when uh, they lived in England, he took flying lessons. Uh, when he got back to the States, he bought his own biplane and, uh, and, you know, he just, it was something he absolutely loved. So for him to be able to draw Phantom Eagle was like the perfect situation. You know, he got to draw about flying and airplanes. And, and, and in fact, to be honest, even though the Phantom Eagle didn't exactly catch on, if you look through his artwork throughout his entire career, you'll see airplanes occur frequently in the stories. You know, the, the Hulk's fighting something, and, and uh, uh, you know, General Ross sends in a bunch of airplanes to attack him. You know, or uh, uh, Indiana Jones, you know, is going on an yeah. adventure, and he's taking some, some exotic airplane, you know, in order to get there. I mean, he, he figured out a way, G.I. Joe, uh, you know, uh, he figured out a way to work out work airplanes into uh, a lot of what he was doing because of his, his love of flying. Kid Cold Outlaw, too, don't forget that one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, true. Just kidding. I'm, I'm talking about planes and stories. I thought I saw one in a kid cold out while set in 1875. I would not be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> but what can I say? I'm a fan of the westerns too. Um, that's really that's really cool. Um, so a lot of things happened for for her. You know, he, he picked up. Uh, you know, he became uh, just by just by being there. He became one of the the iconic early Marvel artists. Uh, to the point where uh, some fanboys in college in 1970 filmed a documentary right there in the bullpen. Can you tell me that story? Yeah, that's a, that's really a, a, a wonderful uh, uh, story. Uh, John Riley, who was a, a, a film student at NYU, uh, was a huge fan, and, and several of the guys he went to school with were huge fans of Primpy. Uh, and of the Hulk, and this was, you know, 1970, uh, 
Herb was definitely in his groove on the Hulk. Yeah. And uh, and is very you know gaining in popularity, and uh, they decided they would do for their for their school project they would do a, a thirty minute black and white documentary on Herb, and uh, and it's a wonderful film, uh, which includes a lot of personal moments with with Herb and his daughter and. Uh, you know, Herb sort of pontificating about life in general, um, but it also includes some wonderful footage of, of the bullpen. Uh, and you get to see Marie Severin and Tony Mortallero and John Verporten, uh sitting there with Herb in, in a bullpen that does literally look like the size of a closet, uh, you know, all sort of crammed in there together, uh, working away. And Herb's inking some some uh, Hulk piece, you know, while while he's answering uh, questions and talking about what it's like with fans and, and that sort of thing. Uh, so it's really a, a wonderful project. Uh, you know, I, I think, I think the, the guy did well, you know, on, on the assignment in school, um, but it never then did go anywhere. You know, it didn't, it didn't get picked up or anything else. But uh, uh, you can still find copies of it uh, occasionally today. Uh, but it was, it was a wonderful tribute to, to Herb. It was called uh, Herb Trimpey, We Love You. <laughs> which could have been the title of this book, which is which is fantastic. Um, after Marvel work kind of petered out for Herb, he did some advertising work and some animation work, and I was really surprised to find out that he did those iconic Crest ads that ran on Saturday morning when we were kids with the Cavity Creeps and the Crest team. Um, you know, I, with my eyeball on the art, you could see trimpy influences but it it looked kind of kirby-ish too and so I, I wasn't really sure and then when i found that out i'm like oh wow cool can you tell me about how he transitioned from comics into uh into um you know advertising and and animation well well trimpy had a good friend um by the name of bill peckman um and and uh, uh peckman uh and it was also I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Friends with John Verporten, you know, they, they all sort of hung out together. And uh, Peckman worked for an advertising agency, and they were going to be doing some commercials for Crest, and they wanted them to be animated. And so uh, Bill reached out to Herb uh, to see if Herb would be interested in, in uh, working on him. And so, of course, Herb didn't do the actual cells. He didn't draw the, the cell work for uh, uh, the commercials, but he did uh, do all of the character designs. Right. Uh, you know, it had the Crest kids, so the Crest team, and the and they were fighting the cavity creeps. And he, he did all of the, uh, like, the set layouts, so what the sets were going to look like. He did all the design work on all the, the characters. Um, and he painted the backgrounds that they used uh, on the cells. 
uh, and I think there were about 10 commercials total that they did uh, between two different advertising agencies um, that uh, that Herb did all the, the design work for. But let me tell you, if you were watching television in 1986, you saw that ad all the damn time. Um, you, you know, you saw, you saw that campaign. It was, uh, it was all over the place. Strangely enough, probably running during transformers. Um, that's really great. Um, but the, you know, and he's got this great career and then, um, things don't go so well at Marvel and, uh, he get we get to, uh, we get to see where, uh, he's kind of unceremoniously let go from Marvel and you know the fans rallied around him but it really wasn't enough can you tell me about how that um how the situation that went down as he was let go from marvel how that affected him internally you know emotionally how he dealt with his friends and his and 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 his public it it was obviously a very difficult time for her you know uh and, and probably even more so because Herb had worked in the bullpen. You know, a lot of these guys uh, worked from home. Their arrangement with Marvel was more freelance. Uh, and so it wasn't unusual for them to do other work. And, and, and you know, they, they felt attached to Marvel to some extent. But uh, but, Mar- but Trumpy was literally a Marvel employee uh, for, for almost 30 years. Right. And, um, and, and so I, I think uh, it was profoundly uh, uh, disappointing to him and, and disturbing to him when, when they let him go. Uh, I mean, you could sort of see the handwriting on the wall. He, they started to slack off giving him work. Um, you know, he was part of his arrangement uh, in working uh, was that for his salary, he had a certain quota of work that he was supposed to do, and then anything above and beyond that, he would actually get a freelance rate for. So it was a great arrangement. But toward the end of that of that thirty years, uh, they they stopped giving him enough work even to meet the quota, and and so uh, you know he he could see the handwriting on the wall, um, and it wasn't just bad for him; it was bad for Marie Severin and, and a lot of other people that were there too. But uh, he actually kept a diary about it, and uh, and when Marvel did eventually uh, let him go, um, they reached a settlement. Uh, with the idea that that Herb would basically, you know, not not say anything bad about Marvel uh, from that point forward, but he he sent the diary to the New York Times and they published it in the paper. I remember reading that, yeah. And they uh, and it was it, if you do read it, it, it's very it's very emotional. You can actually still find it out there on the internet today, and and uh, it, it's a very emotional uh, discussion about what he went through not only in the course of getting let go by Marvel, but then what happened afterwards too. Yeah. And it, it, you got to look that up, but, um, but before you do look it up, check out this book. Um, and I think it's unavoidable to talk about with, with this book. Uh, we lost Herb in between writing and publishing. Um, so I want to know, did he see it, and did his did his fam has his family seen it, and what kind of response have you gotten from them, if any? Yeah, Aaron, do you want to do you want to talk about that, or? Sure. Yeah, we uh, we've been we it, it, it is uh, Dewey and I continue um, since Herb's death in April. 
we continue uh, month after month to bring up that it just um, it, it it's still striking us. Uh, it's it's one of those tragedies that it's still we have to remind ourselves that it happened um, because uh, this this book with Herb had been going on for you know three four years. Um, some of the seedlings to this book go back you know to the probably the two thousand seven two thousand eight time frame. Um, yeah. So. So here you 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 know as 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 working on any book um as you're going to the finish line things get more and more intense and in this case we were we were living herb trimping more than you know in the last couple of years where it was once or twice a month with um doing an interview and then talking about it and pulling this piece together and finding out this little piece of data and visiting somebody and so forth and you know starting in Gosh, the last fall, 2014, it it you, you know so much of your lives every day involved Herb Trimpey as um, as you're finishing things up. Earlier this year, Dewey and I were you know weekend after weekend we're we're putting together um, the spotlights and the and the and the writing parts and the glue and everything that comes together. And then in the middle of that, to to hear the news, just the utter tragedy that that he died as as you're getting ready to publish this book it's it's uh it, it's just uh it's it's a timing that is is uh is is still we're still digesting it yeah and um anyway with that said uh i know um i know he was able to see a draft of the book and we're very very thankful for that that he was able to see that um he liked what he saw he was i think he was so pleased um that a book was being done on him um, he's again. It, it speaks. Everything comes back down to Herb's humility, where um, you know this was not something he expected. He saw books on Kirby and Ramita and so forth. He didn't expect one on himself, and um, and here one's being developed. And he was just nothing short of just grateful that uh, a book would be created. Um, I know that his family was given the books, and I know they're they're uh, extremely grateful um, for for being able to have them. And um, Dewey, any anything else in your subsequent conversations you want to add to that? No, I think that's. I think you're absolutely right. The family's been very supportive, and and they, uh, I think, have, uh, you know, very very much appreciated having, uh, you know, something to remember him by. Um, he was, uh, uh, he he was he was. I think he was pleased about the book, and and it, you know, it, it certainly would have been nice uh, if he could have benefited from it uh, in terms of. Um, uh, being able to take it on the road with him and the shows and all that, uh, you know, he just he loved going to the conventions, and um, it would have been a nice thing for him to have been able to take along with him on the shows and uh, and enjoy the, the uh, accolades from the fans. But uh, yeah, he's um, uh, you know well remembered and, and and much missed. Yeah, he... the the heroes um, the heroes con here this year, 2015, June yeah. of 2015. Uh, Dewey and I had the uh, the uh, it was uh, the luxury of going this year. I hadn't gone for the last couple of years, and it worked out with my schedule that uh, he and I could attend together. We drove down together from Raleigh uh, to Charlotte, and I remember um, as we were walking around and meeting with you know Mike Zeck and John Beatty and um, and uh, you know many of the other uh, artists that were there. We just couldn't help but feeling a a pit in our stomach, a sadness that. Um, with the book just having come out, the first fresh copies, what a you know 
what a this should have been Herb's moment um, at the Heroes Con this year. It was the it would it would have been right at the perfect timing for the book uh, to get the initial copies, and he could have been there, and the book could have been on display, and he could have been signing coffee, copies, and there could have been a backdrop and excitement and tomorrows, and it just uh, it, it wasn't meant to be. That's true, and um, the the great thing about this book is you know you said there have been books about kirby and books about romita and books about um uh you know insert artist here um you really get the the heart of the man you know herb clearly had you said his humility was was tangible but you really get to see the heart of the guy you get you get in his head a little bit but more so you get in his heart and you get an understanding of of what um, what a human, <laughs> you know, it really was. And I think uh, because you guys touched him so closely and because you, he was, uh, just that kind of accessible human being. I think that's one of the reasons that you felt that, uh, that gap for lack of a better term at the heroes con. Am I, am I on the right page here? You are, you are on the right page. And, and I, I think we would be remiss, um, and do love your, 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 chiming in on this as well, we would be remiss if we didn't even turn back the clock um, even more before the, the book, I think, was was truly an idea. I, I hope I have my timing right here. Um, Dewey lent me a copy of uh, a book that I did not even know was published um, that Herb wrote called The Power of Angels. And um, it, it's a fascinating book. I, I can't recommend enough. It's a, it's a read you can get done in a, in a, in a couple of settings. Um, but it essentially documents um, his personal journey um, to dealing with the aftermath of 9-11. And um, uh, once again, the, I think the good Lord had a hand in here in Herb's life. Um, Herb uh, was a member of a church, was a deacon. Yeah, he was um, a ground a zero, right? And, uh, he, he, he was. Yeah. And uh, it, it's kind of, uh, you know, for lack of better words, it's kind of comical. Uh, I think he showed up just as a deacon of a local New York church. Um, to see what he could do to help out. And maybe it was the way he was dressed that day with more dark colors or whatever. But um, as he walks toward Ground Zero, the the people working there immediately recognized him and started calling him Father. And uh, there was a little wow. bit of a, of a recognition of him being, you know, a man of God. And, and he talks in this book about being totally stunned when they were gathering around and, you know, Pieces of debris were being sorted through, and they were looking for, you know, human remains and things like that. And and they asked him to pray, and to bless, uh, bless the people there, bless the area, bless the time they were there to do these things. And he talks with just uh, absolute utter humility, probably, probably the most humble I've ever seen. Herb, he uh, he he says in this book how he was just, you know, searching for the words, asking for the Lord uh, to help fill him with uh, the right words to say. So when you when you talk about the heart of the man, uh, right away when you said that, that immediately the first thought that came into my into my mind was uh, the book that, uh, that 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 he wrote on the power of angels, which really probably gives you the the closest view to his soul um, than uh, than anything else. Very very powerful stuff, and you know, for for fans like me who enjoy. Um, 
you know, I'm an art history minor as well. So I like to, I like to get the story behind the art that I look at. And I like to understand the mindset of the artist. And Herb had such a different mindset than any of the other artists. I was just thinking as you were telling the 9-11 story, what a great companion piece, uh, your book is with, uh, with Mark Evanier's Kirby book. You know, they're both, uh, I think they really go, uh, both ends of the spectrum on, on, uh, on iconic, uh, Marvel artists, you know, I don't know if you've read it, but it's a, it's a fantastic book as well. And it gets into, uh, Kirby, who is a very, very different person than, than Trimpy. So if you are a fan of, uh, bronze age and silver age Marvel, and if you're not, you have no business listening to this show. This book could not come higher recommended by me. It is full of fantastic artwork. It is full of fantastic stories. And these two guys, Dewey and Aaron really, put their heart and soul into it. And uh, as I read it, I really felt their love for not just the art, not just for the content, but really for the guy, for Herb. And so if you really, you know, those of us who never had the opportunity to meet him or maybe passed him at a convention table when he was surrounded by people and never got the opportunity, which is my story, um, you, you really get, this is, this is as close to a handshake as you're going to get, and you really get an idea of what... Uh, Herb is all about. This book is available anywhere that uh, books are sold. Walk into your local brick-and-mortar comic shop and tell them to order it. It's from Tomorrow's Publishing. Uh, it's called The Incredible Herb Trimpy, and it is, uh, like I said, from Tomorrow's, and it is worth whatever you pay for it. It's a fantastic book. Aaron and Dewey, thank you so much, guys. I know it's late over there, and I uh, really, really appreciate your time. Um, we put oh, a lot out you, there. Absolutely. Is there anything, uh, you know, I, like I said, we put a lot out there. Is there anything you want the world to know that we didn't cover? Well, the, the one thing I do want to mention, because you've talked uh, about um, the, how, how well uh, laid out the book is and how, how attractive the book is. And uh, the credit for that uh, really goes to Scott Savidra. Uh, we, we've worked with Scott on, on all three of the books that we've done. And uh, each time he gets he gets even better in terms of what he what he does, and he just did a tremendous job uh, in putting this the book together. It's it's uh, you know for Hulk fans, it's got a very much a Hulk theme, a lot of green and purple, you know, kind of working its way <laughs> through the book. Yeah, it does. And uh, and there's some wonderful. It's it's one of those books. Certainly, you can get a digital copy of it, uh, and and it and it reads well. But the, but the paper copy is just beautiful in terms of being able to see the double page spreads. Because he did some really wonderful things uh, in terms of laying out the book and taking advantage of of, uh, of what you could do in terms of uh, the graphics and and everything that he put into it. It's just uh, it's beautifully laid out, and he deserves a lot of credit for uh, uh, for making it uh, a success. Yeah, I got to I got to tell you, if you're going to read this book, you're going to want to hold it in your hand. I think uh, Stan has a. Um... Uh, a quote, which I'll paraphrase, that comic books are, are like women. They look great on the Internet, but I'd rather hold one in my hand. <laughs> you know? And uh, uh, I, I would just uh, – here, here, Dewey, and, and that's that's a great um, – Scott just did an over-the-top job on, on this book, and it is uh, – he really brought our scribblings uh, to life. Um, <laughs> I would also uh, just like to have uh, – just say you know publicly a, a huge thank you um, to the so many of the people uh, you know that at Marvel um, that just opened opened their time for us um, you know the obvious people in here you know Joe Sennett and John Ramita and Sal Buscema and um, 
uh, Roy Thomas, right? All of those, and, and so many more, and even even people like Larry Lieber. Um, I just want to you know point him out. He was uh, so gracious and just took so much time. He was a bullpen guy and remembers Trimpey, and he spent uh, some good time with us. There are a lot of people um, out there that are art people that sent uh, all kinds of imagery, um, original art pages, uh, scans of those things, took the time to do that, uh, to bring that all together. Um, and um, one, one little anecdote that I think also yeah. needs to be mentioned for the Hulk people listening to this, uh, this, this, uh, this show is that um, here's a little tidbit that, um, that I found amazing. And that was when you look at the Bronze Age, the late Silver Age when Shrimpy took over the Hulk through the Bronze Age, through the 80s, whatever they call that, Copper Age or whatever, I, I lost track. Um, <laughs> those 25 years, the Hulk was covered by two guys, Herb Shrimpy and Salvi Sema. Salvi Sema. They both, they both had monstrous, no pun intended, runs on the Hulk. And talking to Sal... They met for the first time a couple of years ago in Baltimore. You're kidding. They never had met before. The two, one guy, and even when Sal took over from Herb, I think Herb came in then and took a few handoffs from Sal in the low 200s of the Hulk issues. Anyway, point is, is that what a blessing now that we know, now that we don't have Herb, that at least there was some serendipity there. And those two guys got to meet, they got to embrace. Uh, I just wish that, and I, I want to, you know, throw this out there. Was there, was there a fan out there that took a picture of these two guys together? Would love to see that photo if it exists. You know but, what? Uh, if, what a blessing! If, if there is, uh, do you guys have an, an email or a, or a, or a Facebook or or some way where we can uh, where we can get that picture to you? Or should they just send that, it to tomorrow's? Yeah, send it into tomorrow's uh, at tomorrow's dot com, and they can uh, they can get that. Uh, they can get that over to us, and who knows if there's a incredible herb shrimpy update. Maybe that that uh, photo can work its way in there. And uh, just lastly, I just want to you know once again um, just say a great big thank you to Dewey. Uh, what a blessing it's been to have a friendship for all these years. And uh, just we just uh, I certainly enjoyed uh, working with him on this book. We just we just had the best time. Yeah, feelings mutual. Uh, it really was was great. And thank you, Tim, for the opportunity to talk about it. Dewey Cassell, and that's Aaron Sultan, the writers of The Incredible Herb Trimpy, available from Tomorrow's Publishing. That's Tomorrow's Publishing. Stop into your local comic shop and demand a copy. But if you want one and you feel like you can wait a while, here's what I need you to do. Go to iTunes. Leave a review of Deep Dish Radio. Leave a review of Deep Dish Radio on iTunes. Tell them great things. Tell them about us. And, uh, well... We'll randomly choose one of the reviews, and that winner will get a copy of this fine book, and you save yourself uh, $35 <laughs> at your local comic book store. It's a phenomenal book, and I'm giving up my copy. I don't want to do it, but uh, we're going to do it. Uh, you'll, le- you'll love the book. If you love the interview, you'll love the book. We're happy to see it. If you like what you hear on Deep Dish Radio, be sure and tell a friend. Uh, tweet it out and uh, put it on your Facebook page this show so that other people can benefit from the audio symphony that you get to enjoy every single day. That's it. We'll see you next time on Deep Dish Radio.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 